Welcome everybody to episode 12 of Talkin' Schmodown. I am Josh the Merc Rainer, owner of Merc with a Movie Blog, and I am excited to dive into this week in the world of the movie trivia Schmodown. We had some great matches, we had some interesting controversy, have a whole lot of stuff to talk about, so I think we should just get right into it, because we are Talkin' Schmodown. Alright everybody, welcome back. I am excited. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. We had three matches this week. We started off with a double header on uh, on Monday for the for the Patreon uh, supporters of the $2 and up tier. They got to check that out. Uh, and it came available on third, last Thursday for uh, everybody else. But yeah, we had the double header. The first match in our double header was Winston Marshall versus newcomer Emily Rose Jacobson uh, in an in inner geekdom uh, match. This is the debut in the inner geekdom for both of these players. Obviously, we know Winston Marshall. He's a member of the world's finest. So it's nice to see him branching out into a new league. And uh, Emily Rose Jacobson, so a new person. This is Adam Lovick's girlfriend. I mean, y'all know Adam Lovick. He's big in the inner geekdom. He's a he's a force to reckon with. So uh, this was definitely one I was looking forward to. And the other match for the uh, for the doubleheader was the tag team title match between the the current champs, the Shire Wolves, and the challengers, critically acclaimed, which is uh, William Bibiani and Whitney Seibold. And we also had one other match which took place on Friday, and that was John Roca versus Mark Andrako, for, and the winner would get a spot in the triple threat number one contenders match, joining Ethan Irwin and uh, William the Beast Bibiani. So let's get into everything. Uh, this past week, we got the new monthly Patreon article, is uh, The Return of JTE, Where Will Little Evil Find a New Home? Definitely go check that out. Uh, people receive began receiving their Patreon-exclusive art prints from the Schmodown Throwdown. I got mine. It was awesome. I, I, I loved it. Brian Ward's art is fantastic. The only criticism about it that I have is that there are so many patrons that... The names on the back were so small because they had to cram all the names in that you could barely read them without like needing something like a magnifying glass or something. It was it was really difficult to to read the names on the back of this art print. But the the print itself, I mean, it's like a it's like a postcard size type thing. Uh, it's probably about I don't know maybe five by seven, some somewhere around there. Um, but I, I really dug it. I thought it was really nice. I liked it quite a bit. Actually, it might be bigger. It's probably bigger than 5x7. But um, I, I, I really liked it. So, you know, the fact that 
can't really, really, can't really read the names on the back all that well. That's kind of inconsequential because it was more about the actual art print for me um, than having the name on the back. So uh, I'll be hanging that up. So I, I and so I won't see the names anyways because it'll be hanging on my wall. So I'm exci- I was excited for that, and I'm excited for uh, the next one for uh, the free for all. And speaking of the free for all, free for all three took place this past weekend on Saturday. It was a great event, though they did have some technical difficulties. I'm not going to go into anything, uh, any sort of spoilers or anything. But um, during the show, the switcher broke, uh, so they were stuck at a wide, uh, far back angle for most of the show. Um, but once the show was fi- you know, officially up on YouTube, they had some more issues as it quickly got pulled down for a copyright strike. Apparently one of the um, uh, entrance themes got flagged and, and it got pulled down because of that. But, you know, they were right on top of it. They, they grabbed it, they re-edited it, and uh, were able to get it back up shortly after. So they, I think they did a great job there. Uh, this will be up on the YouTube channel on Friday for everybody to check out. So make sure, if you haven't already done that, to go and do that. Uh, also, this uh, I think it was just yesterday, Christian officially announced on his Twitter that the John Roca documentary will be coming soon to the Patreon. I am super excited, and I really hope that it's titled From Bespin to Destin, because that is a perfect title, and I really think that that's what it needs to be called. So last week's, uh, I'm going to start off with Inside Schmodown. Guest on this uh, on last week's show was none other than the Beast, William Bibiani. He talked about you know being a kid uh, when IMDb first launched and how uh, he would go on and memorize things because no one really at that time really no one knew how long the internet you know this whole internet thing would last. Uh, me and Bibbs are right around the same age, so I know exactly what he's talking about. I remember when IMDb first launched. I remember when the internet, you know, first started. Uh, so I mean, I, 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 I really, I, I, I connected with that, with that story uh, about uh, you know, kind of just discovering, you know, movies online and things, you know, movie information, movie trivia, and things like that online for the first time. Uh, it was fascinating, and, and, and I loved it as well. So that was really cool. Um, he talked about the possibility of uh, becoming a double champ. As, you know, like I said, he during this week, he was facing off against uh, the Shire Wolves for the tag team titles. But he's also in the number one contender match for the singles title coming up. So, like I said, he, uh, him and Ken talked about the possibility of, of, of Bibbs becoming a double champ. Uh, they talked about his feud with Roca. It was a really good episode. Bibbs is, you know, he had a rocky start to his career, you know. He's, you know, his first match was amazing. But then it just kind of, he kind of just kind of slipped, you know. It, it, it seemed like the lights were getting to him right off the bat. But he managed to have an amazing comeback last year. And he he has really he has become one of the best players in the league. So he I, I anytime anytime I used to hear you know William Bibiani in a match I was like ah 
I'm not all that excited because he really hasn't shown that much before. But, you know, with last year and then what he's doing this year, you know, when you hear William Bibiani, that's someone that you want to watch. That is someone that you make sure that you check out his match. You know, if you're not watching all of them, he's one to definitely uh, keep an eye on this year. All right, getting into our first match. Winston Marshall versus Emily Rose Jacobson. Intergeekdom match is, like I said before, it was the debut in the Intergeekdom League for both these competitors. The uh, the match starts. There's no opening scene. It just kind of went right into it. Emily comes out first, uh, noticeably limping. She says she's in a bit of pain, but does not elaborate. And, um, Mark Ellis asks about it, but she does not uh, go go into any sort of detail. So we have no idea what happened there. Uh, then Winston came out next, and it, he did a Dragon Ball Z entrance where he teleported in, dressed like Goku. It was kind of interesting. So they, they both sat down. We started round one. Now, this was, needless to say, an interesting round. Um, this was probably one of the worst rounds I've ever seen. Um, we... I mean, really, the first the first question starts off. Uh, it, it was a Star Trek Into Darkness question. Winston says he's never seen Star Trek Into Darkness, and he gets the question the the answer correct. Whereas Emily has seen this film twice and misses it. I I remember. You know, I think I've seen this movie once, and I I I knew the answer. So the fact that she missed this one right off the bat was really surprising to me. Um, but, you know, it's the first question. Sometimes that happens. So we get into the second question, and they both miss. Then we move on to the third question. Emily misses again. Get into the fourth question. Uh, Winston gets it right after he had already written down the wrong answer. So he didn't get the points, Um but, but like he he knew it after the fact, unfortunately, a little too late. Uh, and they both go on to just keep missing for a couple more rounds. And Emily gets no points up until the last question. She misses the first nine out of ten questions, uh, answering just the last one, number ten. But, I mean, really, Winston doesn't do much better. He only answered four out of the ten, leaving round one four to one. Like, this, I I couldn't, this was a rough round to watch. Like, it was painful watching this. I mean, at least Emily did get a point in the end, but, my goodness, this was brutal to watch. I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a worse Round. I know people used to talk about the um, El Miembe and and Jeff Snyder match where it was like they ended their first round like five to three or something like that. But this this is way worse uh, than that one. So we get into round two, and uh, Winston defers. Emily spins DCEU, um, and as she has said, she said in her. Uh, opening promo, DC and DCEU, that's that's not a, a category she's strong in. And so she respins and lands on opponent's choice. And Winston 
using uh, my own personal logic, chooses Star Wars. And I completely agree with the choice. You know, he even says it, you know, Ken, uh, you, you answered all these questions pretty much, you know, so it's, they're so, de- and I've been, I've been shouting this for, for weeks. I've probably been shouting this since before I started this podcast, is that the Star Wars category is so deep cut, for the most part, uh, that it, 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 it's not a category I would choose to have for round two. Um, because, you know, they, like I said, they tend to be more difficult, uh, because of the fact that there's a Star Wars League, which is eating up so many questions, and it's in every other league. It's in the singles, it's in the teams, it's used, it's a primary one in Intergeekdom, so it's, the questions are spread thin. However, Emily has a hell of a run here. Answering four out of the five questions for uh, six total points out of the ten. She actually did really well here to Winston's surprise, ending this portion of the round five to seven. Uh, Winston did get one steal during this on the on the question that she did miss. It was the final question. So at, at least he was able to you know nab an extra point there. So going into his round two, Winston spins Star Trek, almost landing on opponent's choice, says nah to that, and respins to Harry Potter, again, almost landing on opponent's choice, and then almost on Star Trek, as it really slowly just ticked by both those categories. Um, and this this was not a, a very good round uh, for Winston. Like I said, the end of... Uh, Emily Rose's round two, the score was five to seven, okay? So going in right off the bat, Winston misses the first question. He he goes multiple choice, misses, and Emily gets the steal. Uh, Question two comes around, goes multiple choice. Uh, He even asks uh, to, okay, so he he goes multiple choice. He gets the, the, the answer correct. Here's the thing about this question that uh, I, I, I took a note of because it really bothered me while I was watching. And it has happened before, uh, like one or two times that I can remember. And each time it really bugs me. Winston asked to repeat the answers, not the question, but the multiple choice answers. And typically, that does not cost somebody a JTE rule. However, in this instance, Mark, uh, uh, Mark Ellis charged him a JTE rule for this, which is bullshit. It is a bullshit call because if he had needed that, that repeat later on and it had screwed him, that would have been fucked up. You, this is something that needs to be set all the way through. Either... Multiple choice answers don't count toward JTE rules, or they do. Across the board, not this, oh, I'm going to do, and you'll see later on uh, in in a couple of questions here why this really makes me mad. Okay, so question three, he gets, question four, he goes multiple choice, misses, Emily misses, 
And then question five, he goes multiple choice, misses, and Emily misses the steal as well. Now, this is where uh, it, I, I got even more furious. Question five, like I said. Winston misses it, so it goes to Emily for the steal. And she asks for to repeat the answers. And she was not charged a JTE rule. Just three questions prior, Winston was charged a JTE rule for asking to repeat the answers. But then when Emily asks for a repeat on the answers, nothing. And this was a bullshit call all the way around, and I'm so angry about it. So I really hope that they get this shit down and taken care of. I know they were supposed to have done some rules summit, and some of the people knew the rules, and other people didn't. And I know that Mark's not there all the time anymore because he's focusing on other things, but these rules need to be enforced correctly by, by the people on the desk. They need to understand the rules and not be screwing competitors over because they don't understand the rules. So, end of round two, Winston had seven, and Emily was up by one with eight points. Emily was able to uh, go from a three-point deficit at the end of round one up to a one-point lead at the end of round two. Not a very good round for Winston Marshall. So, we get into round three. Uh, Mark claims that Winston switched his numbers when uh, asked when he was you know going to ask the first question. So okay, so what happened was Mark said okay from you know category number ten I think it was or whatever, and Winston was like it's it was twelve, and and so Mark said oh okay you know you're switching the numbers around all right, and so I rewound it and he did not. Winston said 12, 10, and then whatever the other uh, number was. Mark got it wrong. Literally 15 seconds prior, he says this. Uh, uh, Winston gives these numbers. And Mark still gets it wrong and like throws shade at Winston, blaming him for switching the numbers around, which he didn't. So it's like, what does Mark have something against Winston? Like, what is going on here? Where he's charging him for JTE rules? He's 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 accusing him of switching numbers. When it's like, is 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 Mark just does he have something against Winston, or is he just not paying attention to to what he's supposed to to his hosting duties? Like, and if that's the case, like I love Mark Ellis and I love having him on the desk. He's one of the people that started this whole thing. But if he's not gonna be in it that he needs to step away. He needs to no longer be on the desk. There are other people that we have seen on the desk who can do it. If he's not going to do it correctly, if he's going to mess things up and 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 hurt possibly hurt players potential, then he needs to step away. So, in round 3, Winston gets asked all three of his questions, and unfortunately for Winston, misses all three of his questions. And so Emily Rose Jacobson wins via TKO 8-7. to seven. This has to be one of, if not the weakest game in the history of the Schmodown. I'll leave that to uh, 
Frankie Numbers over there on the rundown. He's the stat man. I'm sure he would know uh, if there was a, a worse game than this. But seven, seven to eight. That is incredible. Like I just, I, 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 I don't know. Like, and this is how how the week started off. You know, with this just lack, just like lackluster game that made me angry. It made me confused. Like I didn't know what was going on. Uh, I, like I love Winston, and I, and I, I wish he would. I wish he was able. You know, had had a better game. Um, that round three really kicked his ass. Uh, I mean, granted, all the rounds really, he, you know, kicked his ass. He he just wasn't doing good in any of the rounds. But really, neither was, was Emily. Granted, she didn't get to answer any of her round three questions, so we don't know how she would have done during, uh, during that round. But round one, only scoring one point out of ten questions? Come on. To, to do that, to get one question right out of ten in the first round and go on to win, that's incredible to me. Then we get the end scene. It's uh, Clark and Rachel in the back talking before their match. Uh, critically acclaimed comes in. Whitney's talking some smack. B- Bibbs is just kind of standing there. And then all of a sudden, he starts fanboying out uh, f- for the Shire Wolves. Takes a selfie with them. Whitney gets all like huffy about it and walks out it was it was pretty funny uh i i love critically acclaimed their their theatrics are, are incredible they're like one of the best at this so i i i love watching uh them have matches and you know it's like like i said before when i was talking about william bibiani whenever you see his name you know that's something you want to watch you know and that goes for his team as well you know that goes for critically acclaimed Anytime you see them, that they are a team you want to watch. They are incredibly entertaining, and they are incredibly knowledgeable. So you know you're going to get a great match uh, as well as, as be entertained by their entrance or by their promos or whatever it happens to be. So then we get into match number two of the double header for, uh, for the beginning of the week. And it is the Shire Wolves versus critically acclaimed in a tag team championship match. If Christian on the desk with Ken this time around, critically acclaimed comes out first. Uh, they they come out with some uh, plush gremlin dolls, like uh, uh, like stuffed animals, and then all of a sudden. Uh, the screen kind of pops up into the corner, and the rest of the screen is Leonard Moulton doing a uh, like a video review of their entrance. Uh, like I said, reviewing this like Gremlins type entrance, uh, you know, saying how bad it is and giving it zero stars. I thought it was hilarious. Um, it's 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 not their best entrance by any means, and it, it kind of plays on that as well. But it was a stand. It was a good one. I really enjoyed it. And I love that they got Leonard Moulton uh, uh, in on this one. It, that was that was fa- a fantastic one to see. At first, I was like, "Really, just some gremlin stuffed animals?" And then that happened, and it and it just all kind of came together for us. So I really did uh, enjoy that one. And then the Shire Wolves came out next, and they did this awesome Thelma and Louise entrance. Uh, and at the same time, just slamming the internet trolls who hate on them all the time. This was a, a great entrance. I absolutely loved it. 
they really just kind of hit hard against all these shitty internet trolls who are always telling them uh, how they don't deserve you know the titles and all this other shit. So that was that was quite good. I mean, these are the two teams who bring the best entrances, so seeing them face off against one another, you, know, you, you expect nothing less than two amazing entrances, and that is what we got here. So, the round starts, and it's, it's, fairly, it's a pretty close match. Uh, they they kind of go back and forth. Um, we have Rachel and Bibbs getting, both getting perfect rounds uh, in order to get their bonus question. Uh, they both nail the bonus question. Um, though Clark does have a little bit of a rougher first round. She only gets five uh, out of the eight points. That's a little, that's a little low for her, in my opinion. Um, Whitney ended up with seven, so that's great. That's on track with him. But yeah, Clark had a little bit of a rough, uh, uh start here. Um, it wasn't horrible, but it, it could have been better. Luckily, uh, like I said, with Rachel... Uh, getting that, uh, getting that perfect round and, and the bonus, you know, it helped keep them up there. Uh, Rachel is now the only player to ever score a perfect round, first, uh, perfect first round, in all three of the main leagues, in the singles, teams, and inner geekdom. So that is an impressive feat uh, that, that she has uh, that she has achieved. So, uh, ending this round. Uh, Shire Wolves have 14 points and Critically Acclaimed have 16 points. So Critically Acclaimed are up by two uh, at, at, at this stage in the game. We move on to round two. Uh, the the champs did choose to take Spinner's Choice and Opponent's Choice off the wheel, which I love when they do that because it makes it more of a true uh, a true game of knowledge. As opposed to uh, uh, this this big um, th- this kind of kind of big option of luck that gets put into it with these two categories. Now, hey, it's always great when you land on opponent's choice, but it can sink you if you land on on or it's always good when you get spinner's choice, but it can sink you when you land on opponent's choice. So I like that most of the champs take that off the wheel. Because, like I said, yeah, it, it makes it just more about the knowledge, and I, and I dig that. So, critically acclaimed goes up first, spins John Carpenter. Uh, they feel com- comfortable with that one, and uh, they keep that. So, they start off good. You know, they answer their first question. Then it gets into their second one, and they miss it, giving uh, Shire Wolves a chance to steal, which they do for two points. Uh, the So, the question was the thing was released on the same day as what other legendary sci-fi film and critically acclaimed confidently answers et the extraterrestrial and it was incorrect shire will go on to answer blade runner for the steel so that's one of those things you really got to make sure you got to stop and you gotta you know you don't want to go too quick you want to make sure that you know the answer that it, you know that it is correct uh, because a two-point swing, a two-point steal, that's big. A two-point steal swings it four points away from you because you're not getting those points anymore, you know? So that that, that that's a big loss right there. Um, they go on to answer their third question, but then they miss uh, the, the, the last three uh, that they are asked. And luckily for them, the Shire Wolves also 
uh, miss these three questions and don't get any more steals. Uh, for question six, Crickly Acclaim said an answer that wasn't even on the multiple choice list. They combined two answers. Um, and then when the when it was a Shire Wolves turn to uh, go for the steal, they knew the answer, but they got confused thinking that critically claimed had already said that and then were told that it was wrong. So they chose a different answer. Unfortunately for them, if they had if I, I feel like it's it's more just they kind of weren't necessarily paying close enough attention to what. Uh, what uh, Bibiani was had said, and so they just got a little confused because, like I said, he combined two of the answers, and uh, so you know, one of the one of the answers that they combined was the correct answer. So they heard that part of the word or that you know that part of the of of the answer and, and thought that critically claimed had already answered that, and so just went with a different answer. Unfortunately for that, they did not get the steal. Uh, so the end of that portion of round two, it uh, ends up 16 to 20. It was a rough round for really for both uh, critically acclaimed and uh, the Shire Wolves. Um, you know, only two questions. They only answered two questions and getting four out of the 12 possible points. Uh, Shire Wolves only got one out of four possible steals. So it was it was kind of rough. This is the fewest, uh, according to Frankie Numbers, this is the fewest points scored by a team uh, in a title match. They only scored four points out of their 12. Apparently this is the fewest points ever scored by a team in a title match. That's, that is a rough, uh, a rough break for uh, critically acclaimed here. And so we go on to the next part of the round. We get uh, the Shire Wolves. They spin comedy. They decide they don't want that. And they respin and land on the 2000s. And they have themselves a fantastic round. They sweep the board. They get all six of their questions right. Only going to multiple choice twice for a total of 10 out of 12 possible points. Ending round two. 26 to 20. Like I said, this was a fantastic round for the Shire Wolves. This right here is the reason that they are uh, the champions. They just destroyed this round in a true champion fashion. And so we head on to round three. Now, you may be saying, okay, it's the end of round two, and the critically acclaimed is down by six. That doesn't necessarily mean anything because a Title in a title match, there are five rounds and things. Rounds three and four can really swing things uh, into a, into another favor. You know, I've seen it happen before. It, it's it's it can be insane. I mean, if you look at the uh, Rachel Cushing Mike Kalinowski inner geekdom title match that just recently happened, one of the best matches, if not the best match I've ever seen in the Schmodown. Mike was down. Like, I don't know, it was, it was either six or eight points. It was a, I think it was eight points he was down. And then at the end of round four, he was tied. Like, it was insane. So never, never count, count anybody out if they're behind by quite a bit even uh, at the end of round two in a title match because you never know what's going to happen. Anything can happen and things can turn around on a dime uh, in these title matches because of these, uh, the, the, these rounds three and four. 
you know, anything can happen here. So, so like I said, we're gonna get into round three. It's the betting round. Uh, they spin the category of movie quotes. That is a tougher one, really. Um, so I thought that was kind of kind of r- r- rough for a, uh, a category to land on here. Uh, so Shire Wolves uh, wind up betting one point, getting the the uh, the answer correct, and critically acclaimed uh, bet three points and got it correct. This was a great bet by critically acclaimed. They they really banked on their own knowledge to get this. And it pulled them up from a six-point deficit to a four-point deficit, which is a lot more manageable going into round four, which is the speed round. Uh, we start off, quickly claim, boom, locks in an answer. Then uh, Rachel Cushing just boom, 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 knocks out the next three answers, hitting them. Uh, and then critically acclaimed, Buzzes in for the last question, but here's something that this is where a little bit of controversy takes place. Um, Bibbs didn't realize that he had gotten you know the buzz in because you're supposed to buzz and then wait for your name to be called, but he couldn't he couldn't hear them say it. He didn't know he didn't hear you know he didn't know that they had said his name, and so when they finally when he finally realized it. He was so flustered, he had lost his train of thought, and since you only get two seconds, it, it really just screwed him right there, and so they lost uh, that that point. They lost the point that they had grabbed uh, earlier in, in in the round, and that that really sucks because it really put them back quite a bit. Uh, when, when you think about it, 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 it erased really the uh, lead that they had uh, it put them. It, it ended up being thirty to twenty three. Like they, they had gotten up to four point deficit, you know, and that was great. But now, you know, at this point now they're at a seven point deficit, and that's just that. That's rough, you know. It's like how how do you really come back from that? You know, it's very difficult. So we go into round five and quickly claim. They they show what they've got, and they nail all three of their questions for all ten points, leaving their that portion of the round thirty to thirty three. So, the where they are is where it is where it stops for them at this moment. They have answered all their questions. Now it's really it's, it's all up to the Shire Wolves at this point, point. Uh, and the Shire Wolves. Rachel answers the first question, hits it, hits that two-pointer. Then we go on to the three-pointer with Clark, and she nails it for the win. Shire Wolves retain their titles 35-33. to 33. This was a fantastic match. 33 points is nothing to scoff at, all right? Just because critically acclaimed loss, I mean, look, 33 points. That is fantastic. And if... They had, if they had gotten that question uh, correct in the speed round, um, if if they had not, you know, if if this whole thing of him not hearing, I I mean, in the in the post interviews, um, you know, they they talk about how they should have challenged, and you know, he didn't realize that that's something he could have challenged. Um, and 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 the Shire Wolves even said it. They, you know that that they would have totally challenged that. 
Um, if if they had gotten the points for that, then they would have been tied right here. It would have been thirty-five to thirty-five, and the Shire Wolves would have been forced to answer their final question. And who knows what would have happened? You know, we could have seen uh, seen them go into sudden death, and maybe we'd have a different champion. Maybe uh, the maybe critically acclaimed would have nailed uh, you know the questions in in sudden death, and and Shire Wolves would have stumbled. Who knows? Um, but you know that that's that's the way the game goes. Uh, hashtag that's the game. You know, so Shire Wolves are now six and zero with two knockouts. This is. You know, they are having an amazing streak. They are on their way toward uh, breaking the Patriots record. So I, I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing that happen. So uh, during the post interviews, uh, we see Rachel standing between Clark and Jen Sturger. And man, I never really noticed. I never really thought about just just how tall. Uh, Rachel really is, but standing between the two of them, it's real noticeable just how tall uh, Rachel really is. And like I said before, I agree with everybody else. Bibbs really should have challenged that speed round flub. I, I really, I, I, I really think that he had a case there. Even Christian says, you know, yeah, I mean, it would have been something that we would have talked about. He didn't dismiss it right away or anything like that. So. I really, I really think we could have seen a completely different ending to that to that match had they gotten that question correct. Uh, and we got the end scene for this uh, match, which was John Roca relaxing. Dan uh, Merle comes in with uh, with a new member suggestion for the Horsemen, and it's none other than Ben Bateman. Now both Riley and Merle have suggested him. Uh, Roca at first he 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 does not want this, but Dan makes a really good case about uh, uh, you know about Ben and you know if he you know betrays them we boot him out and you know we're back to where we started here with just you know the two of them and 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 uh, Mark you know and. If that happens, you know, he'll lose Mark as a partner because he betrayed them. He, he's already lost Guy. He'll be alone. So it would be in Ben's best interest to be loyal. And so it really, it looks like Roka may actually be considering this. So I really find it fascinating. I like that they're not rushing to anything with finding uh, the new members for the Horsemen. And I really hope that they do go back to five. I want them to to recruit a woman. I think that would be awesome. You know, it, it's always been the five horsemen. But why not get a woman? I think that would be awesome. There's plenty of extremely talented women rolling around in the schmodown. Grab one of them and make them the next horseman. And, and, you know, you, even if you change the, I mean, really you could change the name theoretically, you know, they're you know, the five horse people, whatever, but whether you, whether you call yourself, you know, the five horsemen or not, I still think a woman could really fit in and it would really shake things up, I think, a little bit as well. It'd be really fascinating. 
Uh, then we get on to the final match of the week. That is John Roca versus Mark Andreco. Uh, the winner of this match will go on to face William Bibiani and Ethan Irwin in a triple threat number one contenders match. Which I am really excited uh, uh, to see that one. It's going to be a great one, I think. These are all just powerhouse players, all four of them. You know, Bibiani and Ethan, former champs. John Roca, former champ. Mark and Draco, one of the best players. I think they, uh, I've heard people call him, you know, the best player without a title. He, he's, he's fantastic. So, it's definitely, these four guys are, are amazing. So, no matter who would win this match, I think it would go on to be a great triple threat. So, let's just dive in. Uh, opening scene. Jay Washington is, is in the back. He's studying. Uh, Kaiser comes in. Uh, it's uh, Kevin Smets' manager. Comes in. Talks a bunch of smack on behalf of Kevin Smets about their upcoming match. Then Kevin comes in. You know, him he gets in Jay's face. They, you know, they're staring each other down. You know, this is going to be a hell of a match. It's going to be intense. Uh, I really hope that Jay's got it in him. I like that he's studying. Uh, he hasn't always brought his A game. He's a fantastic manager and he's great on the mic, but he has not always been uh the best in the ring uh, as far as the schmodown goes. So, here's hoping that all the studying pays off and we get just a killer match between these two guys. I am super excited to see what they bring uh to their match. We get Christian and Ken on the table yet again. And uh, so we're ready to go. Like I said, John Roca, Mark and Drago, these two are two of the best players in the league. And I, right from the get, when I heard about this match, I was like, this is going to be a fantastic match. It's going to be a throwdown. Uh, I am so excited. So, and, and they did not disappoint. Mark and Draco came out first. No Roxy. They put the blame on Grace again. It's a little gag that they keep doing, uh, which is pretty funny. Um, then Roca comes out next with a new custom theme. It starts off uh, with uh, From Bespin to Destin. It was really, I dug it. This was cool. Um, it, it was something different. I, I did not expect to hear a, a new theme from Roca, so that was cool. Uh, he came out with his founding father's uh, teammate and uh, fellow horseman, Dan Merle, who is the current singles champion. So that was cool. I I I'm, I, I love uh, when Roca comes out. He he never does anything too flashy, but it always feels like a little bit of flash happening, you know. When really he's just being himself, you know. So and like a little bit of an exaggerated version of himself, and I and I kind of dig that. So so we get into round one, and this is just a nail biter. They just go beat for beat all the way down. Uh, one. The second question it was something I put a little note down for. Um, it was a James Bond question. And, I mean, obviously they both got the answer right. But I think it was about Spectre. I have not actually seen any of the, the, the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. I haven't seen one since. I haven't seen a, a James Bond movie since Pierce Brosnan. And it was probably like whatever the one after GoldenEye was. So I, I, I really just haven't followed up on, on the franchise. But when they asked the question, it was, um, 
I don't remember the exact the exact wording of it, but it was uh, who who uh, so and so in Inspector turned out to be this um, famous James Bond character or whatever, so, something along those lines, and it was a woman's name, and I just threw out the only one that I could think of. I'm like, I, I know some stuff about James Bond. I've watched some of the older ones. Um, and the only one I could come up with, I was like, the only thing I can think of is Miss Moneypenny. And I pulled that right out of my ass, and it was right, and I, just, I loved it. I had to pause it because I was laughing so hard that I actually got that question. I just literally pulled like a Josh McCuga and pulled that out of my ass uh, out of nowhere. So I thought that was, that was, that was pretty funny. Um, so like I said, they just they go beat for beat down all the way down to the last question where um, uh Roka gets the perfect round, and Mark and Draco uh, misses that question. Uh, the bonus question was the original Taken film, starring Liam Neeson, was released in what year? Uh, Roka, he is not great at the uh, the movie release dates. He says 2010. The answer is 2008. Uh, so he does not get his bonus. Ending round one, eight to seven. That is a fantastic. Uh, fantastically fought round. You know, like I said, they just went beat for beat for the first seven questions, uh, and Mark and Jericho just had a little bit of a stumble there in that last question. Then we hop into round two. Roka defers to Mark, who spins drama, takes a minute to think about it, and decides to re-spin and lance on Julia Roberts, and he is visibly excited uh, about this one. Um... Mark and Draco manages to hit three out of the four questions for uh, five total points. He, uh, the second question, he goes multiple choice and misses, and Roka is able to grab the steal for one point there, ending that portion of the round nine to twelve. So you know it's not a not a horrible round. Like I said, five points out of a possible uh, eight. You know, but Roka did get a one point steal. So you know, like I said, it wasn't a great round. But it wasn't terrible by any stretch. And then uh, Roka spins musicals, and he he really he he's thinking about he paces back and forth a few times, really thinking this one over. Uh, decides to respin and hits Ridley Scott. Um, now he actually ma- does manage to get all uh, four of his questions correct. However, the first three he has to go multiple choice on, so he only gets. Five out of eight, just like uh, Andreco did. Uh, Andreco unfortunately was not able to get any sort of steals that round. Uh, for question uh, number four, he he takes his time. Uh, he uses a repeat and then he hits it. So you know he really he he he, he really thought about it quite a bit, made sure that you know he he had the right answer and nailed it for those two points. Ending round two, fourteen to twelve. And that's when we head into round three. Mark and Draco goes first in the category of 2000s and hits it. He was unsure of the answer, but he did get it correct. Uh, Then Roka's up for his two-pointer with Tom Hanks. Uh, He hits it. After a repeat, it suddenly just popped into his head. And you you saw the moment, like, boom, that it just popped right into his head. And I thought that was kind of cool. Because he always, you know, he always talks about how... Uh, you know he doesn't he doesn't milk it you know and and sometimes I I kind of doubt that he's telling the truth there but 
in an instance like this, he was, you know, he wasn't milking it. He really, you know, was you know, trying to fish that answer out of his brain and you could physically see it on his face when it just popped right in there and he and he shouted out the answer. Then uh Mark gets his uh question number 2 and that's musicals and he hits that for 3 points. Uh then Roca gets classics for his three pointer and this one has a bit of uh uh controversy wrapped around it. Um he he Okay, I'll just kind of go. I'll kind of go into it. Um, the question uh, was, "What was Charlie Chaplin's?" Okay, th- so this is the way the question was worded. What was Charlie Chaplin's first true talking picture? Roca says, uh, "The Great Dictator," and Draco challenges it, saying that he only speaks right at the end, and for it to be a true talkie, it would have to be like th- th- it would have to be speaking throughout the entire film. So it was essentially it was a silent film, and then he says like one thing at the very end. Uh, Roca said then says that if that's the case, then the answer is limelight. And he says either way, you know, he knows the answer either way. Um, they deliberate, you know, they go because it is a challenge, so they take their time. They deliberate. They come back and they come to the conclusion that because the wording was a bit wonky, but because Roca did wind up giving both answers. He that they would give him the points uh, that that they originally awarded him. You could tell Mark did not agree with this. He was not happy um, at, at this decision. Mark uh, goes on uh, to be asked his five pointer, and he just gives up here. Um, he you know he just says he just doesn't know. He doesn't bother to even try to answer. Doesn't throw anything out. Doesn't try to dig. Doesn't use his repeats. Nothing. He just completely gave up, and when it was, you know, and then he just walks off stage. You know, he he gives up. They announce Roca as the winner, and when they pan, when the camera kind of pans over toward his seat, he's gone. And they even say that he just he just walked off. Um, so you could tell he was he was obviously pissed about this whole situation. Um, so John Roca wins the match, nineteen to seventeen. It was a pretty good match for John Roca. Um, he will now go on to face William Bibiani and Ethan Irwin in a number one contender match. Uh, in the back, we go uh, back there. We see Roxy is finally there, uh, and she's talking to Jen on behalf of Mark, who isn't there. Uh, so he obviously just took off, um, left the studio, didn't even bother to uh, be interviewed. Um, and... You know, so they they I, this whole thing, I I it makes me wonder if uh, Andrejko is even gonna continue competing. Like like I said before, he's one of the best competitors in the league, but you know sometimes it just gets to you, and you know he's he 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 missed he's missed his chance so many times. He's had so many opportunities toward the belt, and he's just come so close every time, and it's gotta hurt every single time. And you know, you probably you know some people can only take so much, so it does. It makes me wonder if he's if he's gonna hang hang it up. I hope he doesn't, but I I, I don't know. Um, on, a, on a side note, I I think it's funny that they keep blaming Grace for uh, all you know for Roxy not being able to make it to the shows. Um, obviously, that's part of the storyline. But for any Collider Live fans out there, I gotta say I don't know if it's Grace causing this. 
I kind of think Roxy just can't find her way to the studio. So <laughs> that, that was the first thing that came to my mind. I was like, I wonder if Roxy just keeps getting lost and can't find her way to the studio. So uh, I think that would be funny if that was what, you know, that she was just blaming uh, Grace for her own mishaps. I think that would actually be really funny. Uh, then the end scene here, we see uh, Chance Ellison and Stacey Howard talking uh, in the back about her new partner. Chance is trying to get it out of her, and, and she's like, "No, I can't, you know, I, I don't want to reveal it yet." And he's like, "We're family, you know. Is you know this is something you got to share with me?" And she finally does. She whispers it to him. We don't hear it, but he is pretty shocked. But one thing that I did know, I did catch. She says he. So in this uh, end scene, it is confirmed that it is a, it is a male competitor uh, who is her new partner. It is not a female, like some people were, were thinking it would be. It is a male. It kind of puts a little bit more credence to the uh, uh, the speculation that Eric Zipper may be joining uh, the joining corruption and t- becoming uh, her new partner. So that's a possibility. We will see uh, at some point, I'm sure. So that's it for for this episode. There was a whole lot of stuff uh, that took place. I hope that you guys uh, enjoyed all of it. Uh, next week's episode, we will see. Uh, we will talk about Jay Washington versus Kevin Smets in, in uh, their Inner Geekdom match, which is up uh, right now on Patreon for all Patreon um, uh, uh, members. So if you're not a member of the Patreon, get on there. Uh, if you're become a patron, and you'll be able to get access to these matches early. Uh, if you're a two dollar and up, you get it on Monday. If you're a one dollar and up, then you get it on uh, Tuesday. Um, but you'll be able to catch it Thursday on the YouTube channel for those non-patrons or those who uh, may not just have the time and just want to check it out on YouTube. I don't know. Uh, and we will also be talking about the free for all three which will land on the YouTube channel, like I said before, on Friday. So be sure to check all that out. It'll be a, a long, it'll be a whole lot of stuff, I'm sure. We'll get a, it'll be about four to five hours total worth of Schmodown. So I'm excited for that. We should also sometime this week, I'm assuming, be getting that Rocky Creed exhibition match, the JTE versus Tom Dagnino. It's supposed to be the March exhibition match, and usually they put it in the final week of the month. So for the the, the patrons uh, at that certain tier, keep an eye out for that. Uh, it'll otherwise it'll drop a couple weeks after for the rest of the patrons. So if you're a big fan of uh, you know Rocky and Creed or just watching the Schmodown, make sure to keep an eye out for that. Uh, we got some upcoming uh, live dates that I want to kind of go over. April thirteenth, Star Wars Celebration got a double main event the star wars championship match alex damon versus a to be determined opponent uh which will be determined by a five-way match i believe on april 11th at uh the star wars celebration they're doing that one and one of the competitors is alex damon's wife so that should be fascinating apparently uh she is just as good as him so i'm excited to see that i think it'd be kind of fascinating if she ended up in the match, uh, and then the uh, other uh, event, or the other match during that event will be the number one contender tag team match uh, between Who's the Boss and the Odd Couple. 
that is going to be a great one. Uh, I'm super excited to see that. That, again, is on April 13th at Star Wars Celebration. Then on May 18th, we have got Houston, Texas, live from the Booker T World Gym Arena. I believe they'll actually be inside of a wrestling ring doing these matches, so I think that's pretty fascinating. Uh, Right now, we've got Ben the Boss Bateman versus Dastardly Drew Guy in their big grudge match uh, with a uh, to-be-determined undercard. Um, I think for the undercard, I'd like to see, you know, like a, like a nice tag team match or something like that. Uh, maybe a, uh, maybe Wild Bears. I, I, I'll watch a Wild Bears match any damn day of the week. So I think something like that could be fun. But this uh, Bateman vs. Guy match, this is going to be good. I'm excited. Um, Bateman needs to win this. No matter who you want to win, Bateman needs to win this for his own career. Guy can re- he could survive this easily losing this. Not a big deal. He's already beat Ben once in in a tag team match. But Bateman truly needs this one. He's been having a rough go and if Guy beats him twice, that's it, man. I I, I don't know what's left for him. Uh, he may just be relegated to the tag team division for a while. Uh, with with uh, Mark Riley, I, I don't know. And then on July 20th at San Diego Comic-Con, Rachel the Crusher Cushing will be putting the Inner Geekdom title on the line against a de- to-be-determined opponent as, uh, as well as having a, a to-be-determined undercard match uh, as well. So keep an eye out for more on that one. But, you know, Rachel... The Crusher Cushing and her inner geekdom title at San Diego Comic Con. That is perfect. Obviously, that's that's where you want to be. Um, I, I mean, and, and as far as uh, as the undercard for that, I mean, it could be almost anything, really. Uh, it could be another singles match. It could be a singles match. It could be a tag team match. Could have a wild berries, like I said before. You could have just about anything. You hell, you could have Star Wars there if you really wanted to. Uh, I doubt they will, but you could because it is Comic-Con. So So that wraps up everything for this episode, episode 12 of Talkin' Schmodown. Hope you guys had a great time listening. Uh, Please be sure to head over to all my social media platforms. I am on Facebook and YouTube at uh, Merc with a Movie Blog. And I am on Instagram and Twitter at Movie Blog Merc. So please head over there and follow me there. Uh, and you can hop on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts and subscribe to those platforms. I will be um, submitting this channel to uh, some other various uh, uh, platforms like Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, so hopefully I'll be able to get those rolling. Um, eventually I want to start putting these up on YouTube as well to get a, you know another, a wider audience that way. Um, so please... Uh, be sure to also head over to uh, Apple Podcasts if you're using that and rate and review. Uh, if you like what you're, what you're hearing, a four or five star rating goes a long way. Really help me out. Uh, and thanks again. I, I really appreciate uh, everybody listening. And uh, I, I, I look forward to uh, talking to you next week about everything, especially about the free-for-all. It's going to be a fantastic episode. So... Uh, once again, I am Josh the Merc Rainer, and we have been talking Schmodown.